Well, hey, I'm Todd, and I want to welcome you to another reading of the Bible. The other day, I was watching a silly YouTube video that poked fun at many different Christian denominations and sort of highlighted some of their unique differences. And I laughed because I've grown up and been a part of many different churches, many different tribes, different denominations. I've experienced many different expressions of the Christian faith. And some of them, I would say most of them, if not all, hold to a very Christian, uh, gospel-centric theology. There's some things in there that are maybe mm, highlighted too much or maybe that there's not enough emphasis on another thing. But in general, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And I laughed at this, but the reality is differences among denominations and Christians is nothing new, and it's created a lot of tension and misdirection over time. Satan has used it as a way to tear people away from the church, to break the church down, instead of a way to see the uh, different expressions of the church all across our society. So the reason I bring this up is because Paul is now back in Jerusalem. He's sharing all of the amazing things that have happened. And there's this unity among the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers. And the last time that Paul was there, they sent a letter out to the Gentiles saying, hey, just abstain from eating meat and sexual immorality and everything will be good. And then there was no letter to the Jewish believers. And so some of the Jewish believers could interpret this to mean that Paul did not believe that the Jewish law was worth following. When really what Paul said was, the Jewish law does not bring you salvation. So let's read the story in Acts chapter 21, verse 20. After hearing this, the Jewish church praised God. And then they said, you know, dear brothers, how many thousands of Jews have also believed and they all follow the law of Moses very seriously. It's kind of like that little kid when when the kid says, well, I can jump 10 feet. And the other kid says, well, I can jump 15 feet, right? He always got a one up. Well, the Jewish believers kind of do that because they say, well, yeah, we heard about all that great stuff out there with the Gentiles, but you know, thousands of Jews have been coming to know the Lord too. I don't think it's really like that, but I just think that's kind of funny. So these Jews have been coming to know Jesus in Jerusalem, verse 21. But the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the law of Moses. So they're now addressing what does Paul teach to Jews, not what does Paul teach to Gentiles. They've heard that you teach the Jews not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. What should we do? They will certainly hear that you've come. So there's going to be tension when Paul shows up and all these Jewish believers think that he's trying to abolish the Jewish way, as opposed to saying the salvation came through Jesus, who was a Jew, And now, through faith in him, you can have the same relationship that's open to the Gentiles as well. Verse 23. James says, here's what we want to do. We have four men here who have completed their vow. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads ritually shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors are false and that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. Reminder, the purification ritual, it's a Nazarite vow. It takes 30 days. You make the vow, then you go shave your head. You offer sacrifices. You burn the hair and all that stuff. Paul would just go do that, except it takes 30 days. And so there's a little loophole in the Jewish law where you can connect yourself to other people who've made the vow, and you don't have to wait the 30 days. So Paul, 
he makes this vow with them, he goes with them, he shaves his head, burns the hair, makes the sacrifices, and then on top of it, he pays for it, which is a sign of uh, affirmation of what they're doing, and it's, and it's a way to show all the Jewish believers, hey, you know what, I didn't come to abolish the law, I'm just telling you that Jesus is the only way. And that through Jesus' salvation, not through the law. If you want to follow the law as an act of worship, that's fine. Just don't let it be your salvation. Verse 25. As for the Gentile believers, they should do what we already told them to do in a letter. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. And so what do we learn from this? Well, we need to learn that there is things that are tradition that are fine to do as worship. You may worship with instruments. You may worship a cappella. You may uh, worship with hands raised. You may not. You may worship um, in uh, inside. You may worship outside. You may worship in different ways. You may hear uh, an hour-long sermon or a half-hour sermon or two sermons over two days. It, it doesn't matter. It's just the expression of the church may look a little different. Now, the teaching needs to be the same, but the message or, or the delivery, the methods, can be different. The tradition versus the message. And so we need to make sure that our message is the same and that we allow for different expressions of tradition. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would bring unity among the church and that through that unity, the gospel would spread at a rapid race, a rapid rate throughout our society. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.